0: All right, guys, welcome to the podcast. Uh, On today's podcast, you have the guys from Eminem Apparel, Brian Pendergraf, Todd Weingan, and myself, Lowell Lyle. So we figured we'd come on today and talk a little bit about our business, kind of give you a little bit of insight into uh, who we are as a company, how long we've been around, and some of the uh some of the pros and cons of what's happened here in this COVID nineteen era, things that uh that we've learned and, and can kind of share with our customers and people who are out here listening on this podcast. So kinda wanna flip it to Brian here for a little bit and give Brian an opportunity to talk about our business and how long we've been around, when we were established and and uh give a little bit of insight to the history of our business, Brian. So I'll let you go ahead and talk about that.
1: So basically, uh in uh Ninety-one, I, I purchased the business. It's been around since 1988. Um, it started off in the mall. And uh, when I purchased it in 91, um, we grew it to probably a, a point to where we had to expand because of, of our current location and that. And then, um, then in 2002...
2: 2003,
1: 2003, um, brought Todd on and, and then basically we built Salesforce, um, and obviously went into building a new building as well. And the way we built our business, we always did the job nobody wanted.
0: Yeah.
1: And we kind of built it from there we always did the 12s and the 24s and you know nobody wanted that stuff or sew so this one item for me and and that's how we basically built our clientele and everyone would come to us if no one in town could do it they knew we could do it
0: yeah so for those of y'all out there maybe not familiar we always talk in terminology that we all understand but 12s and 24s are basically pieces and so as an industry standard, uh, here locally for some of our other competitors, I mean, their, their minimums in most cases are 48s on screen printing, where if you go and you have something done, you're going to have to do 48 pieces. And A lot of times, there's a there's a huge base of customers out there that don't want to commit to that, and that's understandable. Um, and in our world, we start our screen printing out at 12s. We start our embroidery out at one piece, which, you know, those are pretty hard to find. If you're looking for a business in town that's doing one-offs, you're looking at a business that's really probably out of somebody's house or out of a garage somewhere or mom and pop or something like that. Most businesses are not going to survive on one-offs or even in, in most cases, even if we did 12s all day long on on screen printing we wouldn't be where we are today. I mean, there's no way for us to continue the business and do that kind of stuff. So getting in and starting the business, most businesses are going to take those those orders that some don't want just simply because it's kind of the niche. For us, it really kind of stayed as a part of the business. We grew it, continued to push it out and do more, but 12s never went away. I mean, it just kind of stayed as kind of a staple for us to get people in. So somebody go over to our customer, you know, one of our, our competitors – and find out they had to order 48 shirts and then all of a sudden they're looking around in town they come to us and they find out oh i don't have to commit thousand dollars to a sh- you know a shirt order or something in order to have that done so so 88 uh start in the mall you said correct yeah so we and then i mean tell me what the stoke mall <laughs> <laughs> which is still here yeah. for now uh we're hoping that 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 will uh recover for us obviously but so you start off in the mall, and how many people are working in this operation at that time?
1: um here w- in, when you're in the mall? W- well, I wasn't actually in the mall oh, that's okay. where the business started <laughs> okay <laughs> um, that's where we get to be in in business over thirty years. Right. We've actually been since I've owned it thirty years right but It's over thirty years old. Um, but once I took over ownership, we had four people
0: yeah doing so that's ticket riding you know basically taking care of customer walks in the door ticket writing receiving ordering all that stuff everything yeah so i know because you know i've only been a part of the business for a little over five years but obviously you know for those that don't know todd is my brother-in-law so i've known about the business since todd's gotten into the business but I can remember coming up here and you guys are literally doing all of it. I mean, you're writing every ticket, receiving it, ordering it, doing everything else in the, in the spectrum. The only thing you're probably not doing is screen print work and embroidery work, uh, only because we've got somebody at that point to be able to do that. So 2003, Todd, you joined the company. Tell me, tell me the history of you coming into the company at that point.
2: Well, I had a long career with Pepsi, about uh, 18 years. Uh, Left there in January of 2003, and I was actually pricing Little League uniforms for uh, College Station Little League, and I came in here and met Brian. We talked about uh, what services they could offer, and uh, at that point, he said, what are you up to? And we kind of talked a little, and he said, why don't you come to work for me? At that point, there there was no one here that did outside sales, so it was just uh, Brian and his other partner, and they kind of, just ran the shop. So uh, I came in in February, said, yeah, I'll go to work for you. Um, probably in about four years, we doubled the size of the business. So uh, aggressively going out and trying to find customers and bring more people in. Uh, we had two suites in the building at 1806 Welsh when I came on board. Uh, now we own the building and all seven suites are ours. And that's kind of how we, we kind of picked up a suite every couple of years. And we just kind of added under the business. And we expanded the screen printing, expanded the embroidery and and then eventually uh, expanded the store when we brought you in.
0: Yeah. So would you say your history with Pepsi and those connections that you had really helped you in the outside sales piece? Or was that something you literally just kind of had to materialize mostly on your own to get it to grow?
2: Oh, yeah. I went to those old customers <laughs> and said, hey, I'm not selling Pepsi now, but you need some polo shirts, you need some hats, you need T-shirts, whatever you need for your business. And that was a lot of it. And then uh, I used my connections with the Little League and really started to build the uh, sporting Sport uniform part of our business, right. which has become a big deal today, where we handle a lot of baseball and softball uniforms.
0: Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, if you've had a kid that's come through Little League, you know, Todd is like the Little League Yoda of the of the, uh, the College Station Little League part of our business. I mean, he's been doing it for so long. He's he's had a kid that came up through it. And has been out of it forever <laughs> it is still you know actively involved today sits in with the board you know is is actually actively has a pulse in what's going on and that's really a great connection for us not just not just contributing into the community and doing little league part of it but also getting our business name out in front of parents you know who really at, at that point a lot of these parents that have kids on on teams or doing other things, either working for companies who maybe need the services that we offer, they own a business needing the services that we offer, or we're going out and reaching out to sponsors who are getting into our part of the business to sponsor a team or, or to take care of, of Little Leagues to, to offset the expenses. It's always been kind of a give-back program when it comes to Little League and to the community. So so you come in to, and uh, transition to ownership win,
2: uh probably around 07, maybe, oh six, oh seven. Uh I'm not really sure quite. It's it's 07, been oh
1: seven, oh eight. Yeah.
2: And at that point, uh we started taking off and then we hit the economy of oh eight and uh kind of took a step backwards and then uh from then it kind of pressed forward. But uh I guess the other thing to mention about the little league connection was the first job I got in the Little League was sponsorships. So I was going out and soliciting sponsorships, and that helped me also in the business, as you mentioned. So I'm going out and talking to businesses and trying to get them to put money into sponsoring a team or uh, putting a sign up at the ballpark. And in the end, I met a lot of business owners, and that helped me uh, grow my business as far as an outside sales rep and then uh, obviously becoming a partner with Brian.
0: Well, and it definitely gave – I think for where we are today, because we have outside sales reps that call on our customers today, definitely gives you a backside look into what it really looks like. So when we have an outside sales rep say, you know, there's no more business in town to be had and stuff like that, that, you know, you can kind of look at that and understand that it, it becomes it becomes valuable to have that knowledge to be able not only to guide our our sales reps that are out there and kind of give them ideas into the community, but also a lot's changed since then. You think about when you joined the business, how do you use social media when you joined the business?
2: Well, fortunately for me, there was no social <laughs> exactly. media. Exactly,
0: so you don't you don't get the uh, you don't get the opportunity and the luxury to be able to promote the business out through social media like we have now. As opposed to literally it's ground and pound it and you're basically building that customer uh, retention plus adding new customers based on word of mouth more than anything else. So it'd be great if we'd had those kind of advertisements, but then we also see ourselves moving in the transition. A good example of that is even being here right now and using the podcast as an opportunity to tell people about businesses that do business with us. Is a new version of advertising that, that didn't exist really, you know, back in the day. And so everything is, is transitioned. And I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going go to record as saying that I'm, I'm, I'm the technological guy. I'm the guy that handles the, the social media stuff and, and the podcast and everything else. And then I've got my old goats over here that these guys, uh, these guys know the business inside and out and know how to do it better than anybody else. So, you know, that combination of us being able to kind of bring that together. Cause my history is 20 years with Walmart as a store manager. I left went and did a little bit with Hobby Lobby uh, and got an offer to come to these guys when we put the new store on. So that's the location that you see at 1810 Welsh. That was the new building. We had big visions, big, big, uh, big dreams, I guess, of putting this on. And, and quite honestly, it's one of those deals. I'd talked to somebody on an earlier podcast where you talk about, you know, all the things we do well and all the things that if we could go back and do it again, I think the the thing leading up to putting the business into place here with the 1810 location and having a physical store that was a true store, uh, not just like a little suite that, you know, we were you're trying to push merchandise into to give customers an idea of what we sold or what we could do. But having a true storefront on there, if we went back and looked at the history of the business, the history was you know, slow, it was slow grow. Right. So we kind of went through there from 91 up until that point that the business was very stable. Uh, the overhead was obviously a lot less and the ability to grow the business doubling out in you know, three, four years, continuing that process was great for that part. And probably to an extent led us into an idea that, that, Oh, well we just need a big storefront to be kind of that next big thing in town. And, again, what's ironic today is we have this location, and how many people do we still hear that come in and see us and go, oh, we didn't even know you guys were here, you know, 30 years, 30-plus years really almost in the business, and and people are still discovering that we're the second largest screen print and embroidery company here in the the area. So it's funny to still see those customers figuring out who we are. And it's not like our location is – prime real estate location for business. You know, we didn't go onto Texas Avenue. We didn't go into and We didn't take 2818 or any of those locations to try and find something. You know, we locked in right here next to what we do best. Again, we talk about the sports part of the business, but you know, we've, we've built the cornerstone of the business on high school apparel and the retail side. So we're right here next to, con, you know, A&M consolidated high school. And most of the people who know us, you know it's kind of the same deal. So even though we have social media to push out and advertise for our business, we still rely a lot on word of mouth for people to continue to tell other folks in the community, even outside community, that we're here and that that we're, you know, we're the business for their needs. So we come in, we put this on, we open the business up, uh, we don't see necessarily the growth that we wanted to see because initially we got in, we were selling, we were trying to decide what was our mix going to be. We we're going to do high school, which you know we knew high school we could do pretty well, but then we go, okay, we're going to sell A&M stuff in hopes that we'd be able to grow our A&M business. And we learned fairly quickly that that market for us was not the niche that we needed to be into definitely not definitely yeah not. <laughs> so and that was a that was a painful growing experience of you know once you commit and you get into it uh even being literally one road off of the main road made a huge difference in whether or not we were in the right location for selling and you can stand out on welsh avenue turn and look towards a&m and you can literally see the stadium down the road but even with that proximity, the location just wasn't an an ideal fit, especially for getting into an industry that for years and years and years obviously had been dominated by our competitor. So um, we made the decision to get out of the A&M merchandise and really stick to what it was that we do best, which is high school, the sports. Um, and I think the thing we pride ourselves probably the most on as a business is is we realize we're second. And quite honestly, we don't don't know that we – does anybody in here want to be first? want to be first? No.
1: We we do a great job doing
0: something. I mean, you know, there's – you know, it's like the song, man, more money, more problems. And definitely we, as a business, even growing, even growing putting this building in, I mean, the growth – we literally have a sidewalk that separates our buildings. We can be in any building within 30 seconds of each other. But even the growth of just splitting people out of the original suites and moving people into two separate buildings was a struggle for us. Uh, and the communication piece and the operation looked a little bit different. And so then I think about, you know our number one that has locations across town, and you're shipping stuff different, and you know you go to one location for this and another location for this. And so I look at it as, you know, while we, we took a step in that direction, and we fought through a lot of those hurdles to to figure out the best way to manage our business in two different buildings at that point. I think about the struggles that we'd have gone through if we'd have had more distance in between those buildings. So, you know, the, the location that we picked and that we service here is, is, has probably served its purpose probably better than anything else. It just took a long time to kind of settle in and get to where we need to get to, which then brings us to this year. So everybody I brought on the podcast and, one of the reasons that we started this was we started uh, we started the podcast not only to promote businesses that do business with us as a part of the give back opportunity and get their names out there, but also the opportunity for us to be able to to be able to talk about the struggles, you know, to be able to talk about how COVID's affected businesses in there, and and it ranges really. I mean you know, from the restaurant, if you're a restaurant industry here in town or worse yet, if you're a bar owner here in town, then the struggle is enormous. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to even fathom, even in our part of the business here to fathom, not being able to open your doors seven months later from where we were almost eight months later at this point. So let's talk about our transition a little bit. So, I've done a lot of talking here. I'm going to flip this back to you guys a little bit because I'm, I'm just curious to hear your takes on this stuff. So March 16th, all right, that's uh, – for those of you all don't know, March 16th really kind of is where everything, the bottom kind of fell out or started the process of falling out. Um, so March 16th, we now have caught wind that more than likely we're going to end up having to shut down the operation. So walk me through, Brian, walk me through the the, the thought process of – Based on the information that we had, <laughs> walk me through the thought process of, of what we were doing in that point, knowing that our operation was fixing to get impacted without anything within our control.
1: How about what are we going to do? <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Like, first thing you're thinking is, okay, there's zero income, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, once we close the door, we do things. I mean, we do things locally. People come to the business here and write orders. But the majority of our business, believe it or not, is not done by people coming on site and ordering our business. The majority of our business is done by email uh, or maybe by a phone call. So I guess fortunate that we were in that part of the business and being able to communicate that way because it was pretty much you're going to shut your doors and that's it. So we're now... We're not forced to close. Forced. I mean, I listen. I I know everybody likes to talk all this. We're in this together, kind of business and everything else. But as a business, we were forced to close our doors. Agreed. Anybody right, disagree yeah. with that statement?
2: No. We we went curbside and we 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 speculated to whether we could stay open curbside, whether we couldn't stay open. Um, but I'll have to say that I was the optimist throughout the process. I was the one that was always on the, hey, it's going to be sunny tomorrow and you kind of, Lowell was the one that set the impact of here's how bad it could be. And we needed to manage our money. We needed to manage our employees and we met with everyone and made the decisions to furlough people and kind of cut it back. But, uh, it was amazing how many businesses that were essential businesses that we did business with. Uh, even though the month of April was not a month we want to relive, uh, the month of April, we saw a lot of support from the local community. Uh, a lot of folks in the landscaping business, uh, electric business, plumbing, uh just a lot of folks medical out there that, all of them, medical yeah. that, that were still operational and we uh handled those orders like you said through phone, through email, uh delivered stuff curbside and kind of waited till uh probably what four or five weeks before oh things kind of broke. It, it
0: felt like forever. I mean, it did seriously felt like forever. I think this is the part though you know, we all had a backside inside look on this and there's a lot of business owners in town that can, that can probably, or they can probably recycle this same statement here. But the idea of going on nothing, like literally, you know, you're going to close it down. We're going to figure it out. We need you to close down. What were we told you're going to close it down for how long? Two weeks. All right. Two weeks, this will all be over. And so, Now as a as a business owner, you're forcing our hands to figure out what we're gonna do. And you're right. You're like, this this, you know, we'll be backing up and running, no big time. And I'm over here going, man, we've gotta like damage control this thing. So, and honestly, to give you a transparent look into the business, I know there was conversation between the three of us of just going, we have to have a business to come back to. Like we furloughed all these people, you know, and our intent was never to lose an individual out of the process, right? But we, we can't stay open as a business when our revenue went, what was April, 15%, 20%? Uh,
2: with our sales were 35% of what we did the year before. Yeah. But yeah, our revenue was gone, and uh, we had to move people out. And then we had to figure out how to get by with as limited resources as possible. And
0: Yeah, so we go from, I think our headcount at that time was like 43, somewhere in that ballpark. And we're at 5 at the bottom end of it, we're at five, and just so everybody understands on here, five counts us three here in this in this room, right? So, I mean, we we were barebone; we we're about as barebone as you could get. And so here we are, trying to figure out, you know, okay, here's fourteen days gone. Now what? And I mean, what communication were we seeing? I mean, where was where was our local communication? Let's start there.
2: Oh, I mean, not good. Obviously, two weeks turned into months and. And you really didn't know when it would come back. And, I mean, you didn't know who was going to come back. And you knew school wasn't going to come back anytime soon. And that's a big part of our business, whether it's high school or middle school or AM. and so, m uh, But the best part was when it did start to come back, the best phone calls were the ones where you got to call an employee and say, hey, you ready? And they were uh, 99%, yes, let's go. Because uh, after sitting around the house for – weeks and months uh people were ready to get back to work
0: yeah and i mean so in that whole transition we lost one employee and that was by their choice they chose to stay home and and take care of their kid through schooling and stuff like that and that's cool i mean we you know we're all about taking care of our folks here at the business and and to you know we went through the process we sat down with every single individual in the business told them what we knew which you know again yeah it was almost nothing i mean we knew that we could put people out to to go on unemployment we really didn't have any information we didn't know what it was called we didn't know how it was going to go down and so we we printed every every single thing out that i can think of that a person's going to need in order to be able to do this we printed all that out and and given it to them and had a one-on-one conversation with every individual in the business it literally in one day and I mean, it was from sun up to sundown and, and getting everybody into the, the room to talk about what this is going to look like. And then, you know, to Brian's point, you know, the frustration of, of not having the information, you know, that, Hey, we're going to close you down 14 days. Everybody's going to do their part because by God, we're all in this together. Everybody's going to do their part. And then you'll be able to go back to what we were going to assume was going to be business as usual. And then it stretched on and it stretched on and we, we evolved as it stretched on because really in that first two weeks, we had the scramble for people to come in and get stuff, right? Like they've got orders in, they kind of know everything's coming. So we go to curbside to help people with that transition. And then it just, you know, at that point you're going, okay, now we're, we're X number of weeks into this. We can't continue this way. We're going to have to do something a little different. Um, yeah, I know on the backside, I think the three of us were all doing things that we normally wouldn't do in the operation. I mean, becoming a part, we'll say the essential five, right? So becoming a part of the essential five or six people that are working in the operation, we're all doing things that we normally wouldn't be doing in the operation to keep it afloat. I'm running the the vinyl, you know, signing part of the business. You got, I know Brian's the residential expert for heat pressing and, and taking care of that part of the business. And Todd's running down the other end, you know, so... We're all kind of doing our parts that we can to to keep the business afloat to the point that it has to be here in order to bring everybody back. And so, you know, we go through this whole deal. We start hearing from other businesses that are in the same boat as us. I mean, they're closed down as well, too. You've got people in the community now that are scared out of their minds to come out and do anything because the fear level is pretty real, and they've played it up, you know, to be the next black plague or whatever it is and we're just trying to stay afloat as best as we can, you know. So it, was there a point, Brian, in any given part that you thought, you know, we wouldn't be able to turn a corner?
1: Not really. I thought we had a pretty good base, you know, built that once they did give us opportunity to reopen that we, we would be fine. But it was just a struggle, you know, not doing anything for two months. Yeah. And, and then that being said, once – all of us did lift. You know, we went into thinking we were just going to go gangbusters with sales, and people want to get stuff. And then masks became mandatory, and then we ended up being a mask business. <laughs> and you know, the t-shirts and all that stuff were Second Nature, but you know, it was income. And since they were mandatory, everybody had to have them. So.
0: Well, you know, the thing that I think we've all learned is is the, the the businesses that did well or the businesses that came back fairly quickly were the ones that could evolve the quickest. They were the ones that, that saw a need in the community and met the need. And in our world, that's what it was. I remember, you know, I think Todd and I were talking about masks when they first started rolling. And it was like, you took yeah. a.
2: I never would have guessed we'd sell more masks than t-shirts yeah, but yeah. i think that's what it's turned into and I, I don't know that we'll sell enough t-shirts by the end of the year to surpass the amount of masks and gators we've sold
0: i mean first off they really weren't that i mean people think masks were available all over the place right you got to assume that most of the masks that were in the community in the beginning stages let just remind everybody in the beginning stages it was you need an n95 mask Rex. It wasn't, you know, cloth. It wasn't any of this other stuff.
2: But we brought fashion to the mask industry. So now <laughs> you have your logo, you have your sports team, you have whatever you need, put on a mask.
0: Right. And so, like, I can remember we were having a conversation out there, and it's like our first mask order, and we've ordered it. I don't even know. Did we get it from, I think it's Badger maybe or something. I don't even know where we got the first mask order from. And then it was like, hey, this might turn into something. We're probably going to need to look a little deeper into this.
2: Well, when they started calling asking for them by the thousands, yeah, you kind of knew there was some future in it. But uh, it's uh, definitely kept us going for months, and uh, hopefully it won't last forever. Oh, my but, gosh.
0: The, we can definitely say that 2020, if we look back on this in 20 years, this will be the one year that mask companies opened up literally i mean by the hundreds of thousands i'm sure i mean there were just businesses open left and right for those of y'all that don't know where we get a lot of our stuff from even our own vendors you think about the idea what we had to do to turn into a mask company where we're a screen printing and embroidery company now we're getting requests for masks you know by the, the dozens each day and our own vendors had to start taking you know their material and start turning that into masks which would normally be stuff that they bought for shirts or
2: they pivoted just like we had a pivot so whether it was a shirt company or a hat company or uh, just different promotional companies i mean it wasn't hard to put a piece of material together and make a mask or gator out of it so
0: yeah yeah i mean and and then for us also it's weeding out okay what are the good ones what are the bad ones because these fly-by-night companies are popping up all over the place And we're trying to maintain a quality here that we're selling, you know, people masks that they'd actually, I don't know, nobody wants to wear a mask, but you don't want to wear, you definitely don't want to wear one that's junk or that, you know, is uncomfortable or whatever. So, you know, we turn into the, we turn into the mask company. We kind of run through this whole process of showing people what we can do with masks. And that's really kind of where our, you know, logos and all that kind of stuff kind of came in. People all of a sudden I do not say they were excited about it, but the idea of going, I can get a blank mask or I can get a mask with my company logo on it that I'm going to be in front of somebody with, you know, kind of, I guess, became a necessity to, so to say. So we reach, where was bottom? Bottom for us was probably. Bottom was, bottom was April. was April. It was
2: definitely bottom. May was a little bit better. June was kind of nice, and uh, then July was kind of almost almost normal.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, at this point, so we decided to reopen. We reopened as an essential business. I think it was either end of May, beginning of June. It was right in that time frame. And we had always talked about that. That was the funny part. And, again, this kind of comes back to the communication piece, you know, especially local levels for us is is – we're doing business servicing essential businesses that are here in town we talked about it we saw it as a part of like the the city's plan or the mandate or whatever and we're sitting there going i don't know yeah
2: we deemed ourselves an essential business until we were deemed one yeah, yeah
0: and then finally the 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 switch turned on it and we were able to kind of go full blown at that point we still even once we were essential though we didn't just go hands out, let's let's open the doors and let's get everything rolling because there wasn't people, you know, there still wasn't people coming in at that point. Even once we were deemed essential at the end of May, you know, I mean, that just wasn't happening. So we still had to kind of transition a little bit. And as a business owner, you know, you've got to make sure that you're controlling the expenses. We already knew we, we were basically controlling our payroll as far as we absolutely could without shutting the doors completely and not doing anything. You know, but then on the same side, it's, there's still rent to pay. There's still utilities to pay. And all that was pretty slow to, to transpire as well too. So it was a, it was a rough go of it to get everything in place as a business that we needed. And I think that again, in transparency to people who are listening to this, people probably just assumed all that stuff was made available to us in this nice little packet and that it was all going to be, you know, quick and easy. They hear in the news, Oh, you got PPP money. You have got idle loan money. You got all that stuff. And when we, when, you know, the three of us sitting in here today can tell you that that is not as smooth a process as uh, as it was made to be to the public. So
2: not a smooth process, but we did ask for anything we anything we could, and fortunately, even uh, grants from the city college station. Yes, uh, PPP money, uh, idle loans, all that's come into play, and and all that's helped us recover to the point where. Uh, Things are getting back to normal.
0: Yeah. You know, for us, I mean, we're in an industry that that kind of as the – you heard Todd say earlier, when school gets back in, when sports are going, those are really the two main parts of our business that drive a huge percentage of what it is that we do every given year. So, you know, you can imagine you're talking about, you know, if football doesn't go off, if schools don't go back to school, you know, we, we've already seen some of the fallout, even from the A&M side – where we were normally doing, you know, groups and things like that from campus, a lot of those aren't here this year. I mean, the groups may be here, but, you know, or if they are here, they're probably in a lot less than what they normally were. So we're not seeing that business as well. But so tailside recovery, we basically get to July. July really was kind of where we flattened, I guess, uh, to last year. And then we just kind of kept our fingers crossed. And so for the last couple of months, we've just gone, oh, man, please let school start. Please let football go. Um, and we still feel it today. I mean, there's still, you know, there's still people in the community that are leery about doing certain things, certain activities. Um, maybe it's special events because we do a lot of business for special events here in town that, you know, either getting pushed back or completely canceled. And so, again, this becomes ways for us of how do we offset what's not coming back. We realize that some stuff's just not going to come back this year, and we'll keep our fingers crossed for it for next year. But I think the one thing for folks listening in as business owners, you know, putting it directly back to you so that you kind of have a good understanding is that lack of clarity from leadership levels topside down was really, it was really frightening I I'm just, I'm going to say the idea that you're going to, you're going to tell us we have to lock the doors and close them and we'll get back to you. I mean, is that kind of what you felt, Brian? I mean,
1: mean, there's a lot of unknowns. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, we're, we're talking to, we're talking to businesses in the community that we do business with that are in the same boat as us. And that was, you know, it was really frustrating and obviously we can sit here today and, and, armchair quarterback this deal and, and say, man, it'd been nice if it had gone this way or that way. But I think the most thing I'm probably proud of between the three of us in here is, is how we handled it. Cause we heard that didn't get handled certain ways around town. And, and, uh, you know, I think that we kind of showed who we were as a company and, and really kind of how we took care of our employees. We paid their insurance while they were out. You know, and, and so to that point earlier, Todd, I think it also speaks to who we are as a company that we didn't have to battle anybody to come back, you um,
2: know. I wouldn't have changed anything. I mean, I know we couldn't have armchair quarterbacked it, but I think we did everything the best possible way we could. We informed our folks. They knew what was going on. As we brought them back, we, we, we talked to them. Um, we, we did pay their insurance, so they, they had health insurance through the whole process. Uh, fortunately, most of them were COVID-free. Yeah. didn't have any issues. Their families didn't have issues. But uh, I really wouldn't have changed anything. I just kept waiting each week. You know, I, I kept thinking, oh, it's going to open or it's going to it's going happen because I was the optimist. And uh, I'm just glad we took the precautions we did. But uh, thank goodness for uh, sports camps and school getting started and, and things getting back to normal.
0: Yeah, the sports camps would have been – that would have been a huge devastation to us to lose those and, and not be able to run those. And they didn't run to the – so the event that they normally would, obviously some parents were out there that wouldn't let their kids go to it. But
2: No, but the fact that Little League played baseball in June and sports camps opened and people started getting out, that was really the start of it. And that's where you could see the, the
1: light at the end of the
0: tunnel. Yeah, yeah, the turn, I guess. I mean, once we kind of got to that point and – for guys out there, because was the Arredondo's out there, you know Derek's out there running the the league or whatever. And listen, man, Derek, I know you're probably out there listening to this deal. I wouldn't want to been in your shoes to make that call because I know that's tough when you got everybody. Oh, we're gonna put these kids together. All gonna play. How the parents gonna be out first, there?
2: First year little league president, and he got thrown into the fire, <laughs> and he put 650 kids out there in June, and without incident uh, took care of everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a big shout out to him and to the board that really kind of thought everything through. And uh, for us, we're just now wrapping it. Now I say we're wrapping up, you know, fall baseball on our end, we're wrapping it up. They're just kind of getting rolling on their end. But, but the idea of that, that going off that way was critical for fall baseball. It was,
2: it was very critical. It was critical for the community to see, um, that they could play and, you know, the baseball parents that travel and, and play travel ball were traveling, and, and you could see things were getting back to normal. You yeah. could see that it wasn't as bad as maybe it could have been or would have, could have been. But anyway, things started moving forward. So, uh, yeah, now they're out there again this fall, and now they're playing softball this fall, and some of the other sports are coming back. So uh, we're just glad to see it. And uh, hopefully A&M will come back full bore in the spring. I mean, that's that's been the only downer. You've got, uh, as you mentioned, groups that just aren't as active. Uh, hopefully by spring, this will be over and we'll be back to normal.
0: Then, Brian, you've been, you're the resident, you know, Todd takes Little League and you get softball, you know, and I know you're actively involved in softball now. So, you know, you've got a pulse on what's going on. What are you seeing on that side with, with that starting to fire back up on, on there, you know, in the fields and everything else? I
1: mean, it's kind of like a lot like Todd said. A lot of people, you know, at first were just afraid to even venture out there, but, you know, there's been some, some successful you know ways of doing it and it seems like it's transpired a lot of these you know like bvgsa they've decided to play and of course your little leagues are playing and then um all your fall ball for high schools are playing which i'm coaching the brian high girls softball team and you know they asked us to wear a mask in the dugout and everything's good and they have like 14 teams there in huntsville and no issues there yeah so um I don't know. I think people are just happy to be out there doing it now instead of just sitting at home because they really they're afraid of being afraid of it. Yeah. So they're you know just taking their chance, I guess. You know, being being safety, precautious, or whatever. But it's a it's been a positive thing.
0: Well, so. to to an extent, you're putting your life on hold, and I, by life meaning your family life, everything. I mean, it's all getting put on hold and you just hope that something's going to come back and it's going to work itself out. You know, I, I'm i a part of the, I'm the trailer over at Consol uh, Tiger Football, you know, and, and so we had our first trailer man this last Friday and it was encouraging. I mean, granted the stands weren't full, you know, but people came out. It was a football game. It wasn't, you didn't hear any of, I, I heard zero people talking about covid for football i just saw people coming in excited to watch what turned into a really good football game and uh and it, we weren't sure what we were gonna do again this was kind of that same deal like we could go out there and completely crater and nobody's going to show up or nobody's going to buy anything from the trailer that we try to give back and support the tiger club there or you know it's the first game that we're manning of the season. They're going to get to see brand new stuff that we've put out and that, uh, that has been designed here at the store and they're going to get an opportunity to buy. It. And fortunately it turned into that for us. So that normalcy again is, is something that I think everybody's kind of looking for. So, so let's talk about, you know, let's come off of COVID a little bit now that we've given you an insight into our world of COVID and let's talk a little bit about why, why is somebody going to use us? I mean, we've been here 30 years i mean that's that's kind of the give me part of of we're not a fly by night company there are people opening up in town and there are people who offer services that we offer so outside of screen printing and embroidery uh, promotional goods you know this this last year we expanded uh our we do banners signing decal work man we just did a wrap job which we are not wrapping cars, in case anybody's wondering but We uh we do wall wraps uh and this last week I know we went out and did a a silo tower, which was a pretty interesting job. But these are all parts of the business that we're continuing to expand on and we're we're constantly looking into the next evolution of of what's out there. Our machinery's changed over the years. We've upgraded some of the machinery here to help us be uh more efficient, you know, more productive as a business. If not anything, I, that was one thing I was going to mention about COVID. I think the one thing that we did learn is we learned how to be a lot more productive with less people and, and still continuing to turn stuff out, even though the bodies were, were not all in the building. And so, if anything, I think that made us a smarter business uh, coming out of the backside of it. But uh, why is somebody going to That's use easy. us? Go ahead.
2: Somebody's going to use us because if we do it right, then they're going to come back, and that's the key to it. I mean, even when I started out with Brian back in 03, if I did the job and they got the merchandise and it was right, they're going to order again. Uh, That's the key. Uh, They had the same person calling on them, which was me, and that's the thing that's different about our business, and you mentioned it earlier. If you come in here, the ladies at the counter are the same ladies that have been here for years. Uh, Pretty much, if you're a customer of ours, you're going to go to one of them, and you're going to be assigned one of them, and you're going to see them every time, so they're going to want to know they're gonna know your logo, they're gonna know what merchandise you like to buy, they're gonna to wanna to know how you want it how you want it done, whether it's screen printed or embroidered, what colors you wanna use, what color changes you wanna make. So all the little details that go into your account are gonna be understood because you're gonna deal with the same person. You're not just a number here. You're a customer, your name and a face, and you're gonna deal with the same person each time.
0: What do you think?
1: Everything it says, I mean, on on point. It's it's uh People appreciate that. And them being loyal is another positive because, you know, it's it goes hand in hand. And um, I, I just think that what we give back to our customers, giving them personal attention is, is huge.
0: So I'll throw in a couple of things here. Go find some of our business competitors that there's always an owner on site that there's always somebody in the building that you can talk to that owns a business. I mean, I think that says a lot for who we are as a company that any given day of the week, you're going to walk in here and you're going to find most of the time you'll find all three of us. But I mean, we're always on site here.
2: Well, it's, Yeah. We're the owners that are working the business. I mean, from the, the history that Brian and I've had together, I mean, we used to, we both took roles in ordering all the merchandise at one time. We actually used to check it in, break it out into parts. I mean, we've done every little phase and we came from the, the point of, uh, Handwriting tickets yeah, to no computer age. <laughs> Reading Brian's handwriting is not easy. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I know we've you know brought it uh, full circle, but uh, it's it's been fun. But we all know what to do, and it's just like with our employees, we we know what their job is because we've done their job. So it's kind of hard to pull the wool over our eyes, and it's also we understand what they're going through when there's tough times.
0: Yeah, and I think we can look at things we can look at things and get past the emotional side of stuff. I think that's the, I think that's the one important part of the business is, is instead of getting upset about it, we really try to look at it and figure out how this breakdown happened. Right. This is going to happen in a business. No matter who you are, no matter how good you are, you're going to have mistakes, but you know, in taking, you know, we take kind of a stance on this where everybody wants everything to be black and white, right? Like, It's cut and dry, and it's just not in the business, especially when you're talking to people by phone, when you're emailing people back and forth, and in their head they've got, this is what I'm describing to you, and then we read it on the other side, and we read something different. And so, you know, I think when we took the stances of business to say, look, there's black, white, and there's gray. You know, black we're right, white the customer's right, and gray always goes to the customer. So if we've done something in the mix that is going to lend muddiness i guess to to an order or to somebody coming in the fact that we take care of that and we do it quickly and get them get them taken care of is a big part of the business it's easy for somebody to just say hey man you you didn't do this we have all this stuff right now you didn't do this and it's on you and so we look at it as there's a there's a better way to handle that
2: no we will take care of any of the mistakes that are made and Yes, there are going to be some. I mean, our industry standard is there's going to be a couple percent that you're you're not going to get right. Things are going to go wrong. But the other key is turnaround. And when you talk about building the business is we're going to be the quickest at it. We've built the business on being quick and responsive. Our competition is not that quick at getting things back. Uh, so the turnaround time is huge for us. And in, in essence, we've spoiled a lot of people over the years. <laughs> But, uh, we try and we try and meet all the meat, all the uh, expectations. And sometimes those expectations are a day or two and we, we don't want to advertise that, but, uh, we have pulled some people out of the fire over the years. So, uh, we know that, uh, when you're running a business, there's a lot of things you've got to do and ordering apparel for your business or promotional items usually isn't at the top of your list. So it gets forgotten sometimes. And then that event comes up or that staff needs apparel and, and we try and react as quickly as we can. But, uh, uh, I will say that, you know, if we make a mistake, we're going to fix it, and then we're going to turn it quicker than anybody else. So you're going to get your merchandise, and, and we're going to get you going.
0: Yeah, and then I think the last part of all of this is, and we talked about having the same people in the same spots, right? Like they learn they learn their customers just like their customers get to learn them. But then also at the same point, those guys – build relationships with them and i mean they build relationships to the point of not just knowing like who they are in the business that they're they're representing but they get to know about their family they get to know about their kids they get to know about things that are going on we get how many times a week do we have somebody walking in here and we're asking them questions that it's not even relative to the business for us we're just like hey how did how did johnny do at the football game this week or you know how'd your kid do this you know this week when he was you know playing little league or whatever i mean We get to know all these things about people. And so I think that that relationship alone, that relationship building that our guys do is probably more critical than anything else. And and the one thing that we hear from people who come to us from our competitors is they feel like they're a number. Like they could disappear off the face of the earth and it wouldn't matter. Agreed? And so they come in here, we build that relationship with them and it's more than just hey order this for me or get this for me and we realize there's people that that that's how they operate but the majority of people who do business with us don't really want that they want to know that they're valued as a customer they want to know that their dollar is going to get them the most they can possibly get but they also want to know that they're going to you know if they do disappear that somebody's going to ask where they've been you know and so it's always interesting to see people come in and we see some of the same people every week you know coming in in some cases so I think that says a lot for our ladies that work at the front, for our outside sales reps that go and call on these people. And it really says a lot on the backside that we turn this product out to customers who they're proud to show it off, you know, whether it's something they're getting for a family reunion or whether it's something they're wearing in the business, or maybe they need it for a specific event or show or whatever. And we're quick to do that. It is funny that you made the comment about, you know, quick turnarounds and somebody was in here the other day that had said, you know, you guys have just spoiled us you know and and that's a (laughs) that's a pretty accurate statement especially for some of our customers that are out there that that they'll know they know we'll do it you know they know that if if they get in a pinch it we'll do it but you know at the same point you know we don't want to advertise yeah we don't i mean there's some stuff we do literally on a dime that is pretty painful and painful to the to the processes that we put in place but Yeah, we also understand there's going to be things that are going to happen that, that, you know, something comes up, we'll be able to help bail them out. So again, those are all big values to the customer, you know, that are out there considering that change. And if you are with someone else, you know, again, we're, we encourage people all the time, Hey, bring us an invoice. You know, you're doing business with somebody, bring it to us. Let us show you what we can do. But there's a reason why our business continues to grow. Even, even this year, we continue to see our customer counts moving up with new customers. You know, we continue to see people trying us for the first time because they've either seen something in the community that they, you know, they're like, man, that's awesome. Where'd you get it? Or they're just tired of settling. And, you know, I don't ever want to be a part of a business where people just come to us because they settled to come to us. I want them to come here because, they understand that, that we're more than just, we want your money. You know, we, we want to build a business. People trust us. We want to build a business that they know that they're going to get the best quality of product. And we want to build a business that they know that relationships matter because, you know, leading back to your outside sales. I mean, you can't be a good outside sales rep and not build relationships.
2: Correct. And if I'm going to come to work every day and I'm an owner, and I'm going to be in the business. I don't want to deal with problems. I want to be getting it right executing the order the way it needs to be executed and, and talking to people and, and having a good conversation
0: yeah so let's finish this thing off with brian here so you know brian's been quiet over there i'll try to keep him in here so so you know 30 plus years right and so you've seen it kind of from beginning here to where we are today what are you most proud of
1: uh that we're still in business for one <laughs> <That's probably laughs> considering something. all the other stuff that's happened but uh no, I mean it's been a, a you know a long road but it's been a good one. I mean it's been a great business. I'm um, just dealing with the people and um the loyalty you know loyalty from the customers we've had for some number 30 years. So um and seeing where we started in the little um small cracker box off of 2818 and to where where we are now and having a new building, you know it's it's pretty nice the see what what's what's happened in the all these years you know so um employees have been amazing uh, obviously they're the biggest asset in the company to get us where we are and um you know bringing Todd on was a huge thing because uh, not sure that we would be in the situation where we are right now but it's a it's been a, it's been a great great business
0: what are you most proud of
1: now, in recent years, uh, staffing, but
0: uh, I'll, take,
2: <laughs> I'll take credit for your hire because you've helped us uh, really develop a great staff and uh, kind of weed out some of the issues we've had and, and, and move forward. Uh, building this building, getting this business up and running. Uh, obviously, we, we thought we were going to be big players in an A&M business that never materialized, but being able to pivot the way we've pivoted, whether it's pivoting from, away from A&M and into expanding high school, Pivoting from getting away from A&M, getting into signs and banners, uh, pivoting into masks, just the survival that we've gone through this year and, and the things we've gone through the last couple of years. But uh, I feel like we've got a real strong business right now, and uh, we just need things to normalize. And uh, uh, that, That's what I'm most proud of.
0: Mm. I think the thing I'm most proud of is, is the stability that we've built probably in the last five years because it, it was a rough build. I mean, it was it was tough to really get, we talked about the staffing a little bit, it was tough to get good people in the right positions, doing what we needed them to do, and being consistent at it, and I mean, we've got, now we've got some in the business that are phenomenal, I mean, they have been doing it for years and years and years, but it's kind of those last little pieces, it's those ones and twos that we're filling in people with, and You know, again, you learn the hard lessons along the way, but I think every single hire that we've done and the expectations from people that come to work for us has changed a lot over the years, and I think that that's made everybody's job a lot easier. It's definitely made my job a lot easier because, you know, I I don't deal with near as much stuff today as I was five years ago. And, And the challenge of putting that, you know, putting that structure into place so that as we continue to get bigger that the growing pains aren't as tough. We don't we don't feel the pull or the stretch as much when we're growing. So and finally, man, I I guess just where we stand in the community. I mean, people who come and they talk about us, people who've known us for the thirty plus years, known us as individuals, you know, it's funny because I think probably between the three of us in here, we probably know just about everybody. And, And so um and i think that's a a great testament into our history merging together into what we're trying to build here and and the fact of it is is that you know our community has supported us through one of the toughest years this company will probably ever see and just for the record we do not want to do this again Uh, but if it wasn't honestly if we were in a metro market if we were in a houston a san antonio even in austin or a uh fort worth you know something like that this would have been a tough struggle because there's a lot of other choices out there there's tons of businesses that are that are fighting for every dollar that's out there but i gotta tell you man i mean brian college station is probably i don't know i've been in a lot of places i've lived in a lot of areas and i don't know that there is a more insulated area of people not aggies everybody tends to look at it as just aggies taking care of aggies kind of stuff this is People taking care of people in a community that they're proud of and that's well-established in deep roots of culture in this company. So we do business with people locally, and we said earlier in this podcast that we love being number two because we do number two better than anybody else, but our primary focus is taking care of our backyard. And that's the people here in Bryan College Station that we we are servicing day in and day out. And then when it comes down to it and we have one of the biggest struggles a business could probably ever go through, our community shows up at the doorstep once we unlock the doors and they bring the money right back to us going back, knowing that we're going to take care of them and that there's not going to be this stretch to get to it. So that's probably what I'm most proud of is that history and that culture of what we built in the company really has in my, in my opinion, garnered the respect in the community that people are coming back to help us. They know that they know that local businesses need it. And as you're spending your money here in Bryan college station, everybody needs to keep that money local. I mean, this is not, there's businesses that are struggling, like really struggling to stay open uh, or even get open in some cases. And we are blessed to have people who come to us uh, because they trust us. And we built that trust with them through the years. So so that's my uh that's my two cents worth of what I think we've done. So so anyway guys, is uh appreciate you guys uh taking time out of your day to day. I know that folks who look at us as a business sometimes wonder, you know, what goes on behind the curtain, you know, we just they literally, you know, come in here, order stuff and stuff shows up in a box and that's it, and there's a lot that goes on behind there, but I think the transparency of our struggle this year is important, not just to to other business owners that are out there and people who we'll talk to on this podcast, but I think it's also, I think it's important to just your everyday, you know, your everyday BCS residents that are out there that that know that we're one of those businesses that is extremely appreciative of, you know, the community around us that has rallied around us, helping us you know, survive this thing and helping us come back. So, I mean, we couldn't have asked for a better community to to run a business in or live in, so.
2: The community's been very supportive, but I think COVID has made the community even stronger. I mean, we've always had a great community, but I think folks even look stronger now to shop local and help the local
0: out yeah i mean we've run i've seen ads run for you know shop local for several years right but it isn't until you really understand what that means and i think that clarity was definitely put in place this year so so for you guys man i'm i'm gratefully i will always be eternally grateful to you guys for for bringing me on board and being a part of the operation here i know we we don't tend to get time to talk about because we're usually running and gunning as we hit the doors so I'm appreciative of you allowing me to be a part of the organization to help grow it, and and I know that uh, each addition again to our business as we continue to add people, you know, we just hope it's going to make us that much better. You know, that much more of a of a community partner in the, the the industry, and again to show people that you know sometimes being number two is not that bad. You know, we're uh, we like to do it really really well, so. And as long as uh, as long as we do it well, man, we can we can hang out here forever. So I, I love the opportunity to be able to service the Brian College Stationery and to continue to build relationships in the community that uh, that help us as a business as well too. So Brian, any any final words? You've been a part of the community for a long time, man.
1: I mean, I just thank, like again, thank them for, thank them for their loyalty. It's um, it's just nice to see people that. You know, I dealt with 30 years ago, and they still come in here. It's it's you just don't find that in a lot of businesses anymore. It's you know they go to the next person who can do it cheaper, who can do this, and and um, I just thank everybody for continuing you know shopping with us. Yeah,
0: absolutely. The internet hasn't made that easy, that's for sure. But you know, when you're shopping local, then ultimately, again, we're in your backyard, so it's not a it's not a company overseas. It's not a company that's out of state it's not somebody you'll never see who's running it you can walk in here any given day and ask for any of the three of us and we'll come out meet you on the floor and greet you and and uh welcome you into mn M&M apparel so let's uh we'll continue the great the great work that we've tried to do over 30 years and you know we know that the community is going to support us in that process as well too so again we're just so grateful for that and we appreciate the opportunity for y'all allowing us to come on and talk about it and uh, we look forward to seeing you here at 1810 Welsh Avenue, M&M Apparel for any of your needs. I mean, uh, we say embroidery and screen print and everything else, but we're master of a lot of trades, man. We can find a lot of stuff out there, especially Brian. Brian is the Brian is the guy that can dig and find stuff that we didn't even know existed. So if you're needing something for your company you're needing promotional goods or you're just out there maybe needing to get some stuff done for an upcoming event in the family or something like that man come and see us we'd love to take care of you get to know you and your family and you and your business and again guys thank y'all for having us on and uh we appreciate we'll talk to y'all later